What's going on, guys? It's Lee McKinney. Welcome back to The Art of the Breakdown. This is episode two. The Art of the Breakdown is my MMA show. Uh, it is very new, so if you haven't seen the first one, I'll, I'll give you a little rundown of what we're doing here. Uh, basically, whether it comes to UFC, Bellator, any organization, I'll be going uh, in, in, ahead of the fights. I'll be talking about what I think could happen. We'll talk odds. Uh, you know, We'll talk about what, what a win could mean, what a loss could mean for each fighter, things of that nature. Also, after the fight, I'll be talking to you about uh, you know, how it went down, my post-fight analysis, what happened, and again, where each fighter goes from there. Um, if you enjoy this kind of thing, make sure to give a like. Talk to me in the comments. Uh, in each one of these, I tend to ask you guys a question, and so I want to get your opinion. We'll discuss fighting in the comments. That's something I love to do. Please subscribe to the channel if you uh, haven't already. All right, it is Sunday, December 13th. It is the day after UFC 256. 256. Uh, Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. Um, it's a, I can just say this. It was it was electrifying and potentially one of the greatest fights in flyweight history. I've already heard a ton of that, whether people agree or not. Um, people say it compares to the Weili Zhang, Joanna Janjacek fight earlier in the year. Um, and you know what? They're both incredible. This feels fresh. There's a lot of people are talking about this being the best. But if it isn't the best fight in flyweight history, let's certainly say it was top three. Incredible card top to bottom, though. Let's dive right in. So the first fight of the night was Junior Dos Santos versus Cyril Gan. And I think it's clarified now that you pronounce his last name, Gan. Uh, there's been some gain, Ghana. Uh, but I guess uh, MMAfighting.com, I believe. I hope I'm not misquoting which company Asked him post-fight and got the answer, but uh, it is gone. All right, anyways, uh, UFC kicked uh, 256 kicked off with this heavyweight bout. It was Junior Dos Santos, Ciro Gan. Uh, this fight was a huge risk for Junior Dos Santos, who was coming off of, at this when he walked into the cage, coming off of three back-to-back -back losses. Um, Gan came in undefeated. So although he had about a fifth the amount of experience that JDS had walking into the cage, um, he still came in as a minus 450 favorite. So massive, massive betting favorite. Uh, Gan came out working kicks on JDS lead leg, uh, and they were vicious. Gan, as far as I know, is a, is a Muay Thai champion, specializes in the, the art of Muay Thai. Um, and it was cool. After he would throw a few low and beat up that lead leg of JDS, then he would throw high, which is always a great technique. Uh, get someone distracted, you know, on one area of their body and then take it somewhere else. So things picked up towards the end of round one, uh, and, and JDS actually started just swinging for the fences. Uh, it was getting very exciting. Uh, but as the fight went on, the damage to the lead leg and pressure from Gan, uh, it became too too much for, for Junior Dos Santos. I think it was a jab from Gan that rocked JDS, and Gan followed up to finish the fight in round two by TKO. Short and sweet fight. Uh, for JDS, he's now lost four in a row. And if you guys obsessed over these, you know, post-fight, you know, uh, press conferences like I do at one in the morning, um, uh, every, every other Saturday night or whenever they happen, you know that Dana doesn't take kindly to older fighters falling to a losing streak of this nature. So there are a lot of question marks moving forward with Junior Dos Santos, um, most of which, I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just curious on, on how Dana's going to respond. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate JDS is a legend. Let's not get it twisted uh, or confused. So 
he's had a beautiful career, but at this point in his age with a four fight win streak, what more is there for him? You know, I think with a fighter, everyone always wants to continue. They always dream of that belt. And if they had the belt, getting it back. Um, but this is one of those situations that's very unfortunate for uh, for Junior Dos Santos. For Gon, um, he was ranked at 14, and he just beat uh, beat JDS, who was ranked at 7. So that sets him up for a higher-profile fight next. For me, I think a fight with Alexander Volkov would be fun. A fight with Alistair Overeem would be fun. Derek Lewis would be fun. Uh, Gon being a striker, all those matches intrigued me when I took a, a brief look at the rankings. Uh, I haven't looked at what each one of those fighters that I just mentioned, what their schedule looks like. So maybe one of them has a fight. I'm not sure. But those are matchups uh, uh, higher than rank seven that excite me. Uh, regardless, 2021 should be a big year for Gon. Okay. The second fight of the night was Kevin Holland versus Jacare Souza. Kevin Holland has had a huge 2020. He came into this fight with four wins in 2020 already. Talk about taking advantage of uh, a crazy year. And Dana, you know Dana loves these guys that want to just step in and fight, especially when Dana's trying to salvage a year that could have went to shit. And guys like Kevin Holland, excuse me, um, are the reason that uh, things went a little easier on Dana's on Dana's end. Um, so like I said, he came in with four fights just in this year. Jacare was coming in off two losses. Uh, the odds were still even in this fight. I think it's probably because Salza was going to be the biggest name that Holland had faced up until this point in time. Um, so, but, and I think Salza might have had a Souza might have had a slight betting advantage, but it, it would have been like one hundred five, one hundred, like so tiny. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So uh, Kevin came out explosive for a matter of literally 10 seconds before Jacare started chasing, chasing the takedown, which is can be expected, uh, especially since Jacare is a, a submission specialist, one of the greatest, if I may say so myself, that we have or have had. Um, Jacare had Holland on his back a few times in the first round as he was chaining his takedown attempts together. Um, the highlight to me was... Uh, how much Kevin kept swinging elbows and punches off his back. So he wasn't giving up. He wasn't sitting, uh, just laying there or just, uh, you know, waiting for time to uh, run out so he can get up off his back. He was working off his back. He was elbows. Some of the elbows were vicious and I believe cut the top of Jacare's head. Um, but eventually, uh, Holland kicks off. So he's on his back. He kicks off a Jacare and he swings this punch off his back. Like folded leg, he's on he's on his butt on his back basically. Swings this huge punch from the bottom and stuns Jacare. He keeps swinging as he works his way back to his feet off of his back and his butt, um, and just knocks knocks Jacare out backwards, unconscious, totally vicious. It was insane, um, and that marks five wins in 2020 for Kevin Holland. Uh, the dude's exciting uh, for for. Uh, for Jacare, similar to JDS, knowing Dana, I can see him push to maybe make a cut of Jacare. I think Dana mentioned he wants to cut 60 fighters by the end of the year. And when you have older fighters on a, a losing streak like this, it's hard to imagine that uh, a name like Jacare is not going to come to mind along with JDS for, for who to maybe cut. Again, that's me speculating. Um, but that's my opinion. Uh, for Holland, he's in the top 15. 
And you know he's going to be looking to make a run to the top. I think his last fight, he was talking shit to uh, Adesanya, the champion, who was cage side. So he's just ready to make some noise. And with five wins in a year, he's in Dana's good graces. He's in everyone in front of everyone's eyes, all quarantine, all this, you know, downer of a year in a way. Um, he's looking to make a run to the top. So he calls out Hamzat Chimaev, which is very interesting. And here's why. Hamzat is the other star of back-to-back fights in 2020. I don't know the number four. I think he fought twice in a month, something really cool like that. Everyone in, in vicious wins. Um, twice in two weeks, maybe he fought something crazy earlier in the year. And I don't know the exact numbers, but you have the, the two stars of 2020 potentially, you know, fighting each other. If Holland gets what he wants when he is calling out, uh, Chimaev. um, and it would be an extremely exciting fight, whatever division, whatever opponent, there are a lot of eyes on Holland right now. And with his loud persona, you mix that with five wins in a row. And this is someone that seems to be truly taking off if he hasn't already taken off. So 2021, guaranteed big things for Kevin Holland. I'm sure he's going to keep running his mouth, uh, tweeting up a storm. I think he tweeted something like, how are you going to put that in a video game? Because as I said, that the knockout coming off his back and butt was, was very entertaining. Cool. All right. Next up was Mackenzie Dern versus Verna Jandaroba. And I might be saying that wrong, and I'm sorry if I am. Um, but I think I heard three different people say it three different ways last night on the broadcast, or maybe at least two different ways. I don't want to exaggerate here, but uh, yeah, it's a hard name to pronounce. Anyways, this was a strawweight bout. Mackenzie Dern is coming in when the match started at number 11 in the world. Jean Roba come in at number 13. Uh, Dern was a minus 200 favorite. Both fighters were submission specialists, black belts. Um, and both fighters are coming off a pair of wins. So this is actually, a, this was a fight I was looking forward to. Obviously, you want to see what the story is with Dern striking because, and, and Jean Roba because, you know, let's not, let's not lie here. When, when you have submission specialists, it's not often that they're known for striking as well because how dangerous would it be if they were? So that was kind of the big question mark. Is Mackenzie Dern going to improve her striking and really take that next step in the UFC? And uh, this was a big, big, big fight to uh, give us a a picture of how it's going down. Uh, A lot of times when you have two submission specialists, though, you end up with a striking match. And that was the story of round one. I gave the advantage to Dern in round one. Her striking looked a bit better. Round two felt like more of a brawl. There was an eye poke. Uh, Jean Daroba caught Dern with the knee to the bridge of her nose and busted it wide open. Uh, I think Dern even said in between rounds, like, is my nose broken? I think she was concerned about it. And I think her cornerman said, no, you're looking good, which is excellent work. You don't need her stressing any more than, than need be in a fight. So that was that was good. Um, so she... Uh, that she wrote out the rest of that round, unfortunately, that where she her nose got busted on her back with blood just flowing into her eyes, which is obviously just hell. Um, got out of that round. Round three was back and forth brawling. The girls are tough as hell. It was a super entertaining fight for me. I liked it. Um, it wasn't the most high level thing on planet Earth, but it was fun. Uh, the judges gave the fight to Dern via unanimous decision, twenty nine twenty eight, I believe, across the board. For Jean Roba, it's hard to say what's next. 
because it was a fun fight. And I don't think her stock went down a ton. That being said, she was, you know, back up at number 13. Maybe she drops to 14, 15. Maybe she doesn't move when you're that far back in the top 15. I, I don't really know how it'll play out for her. I'm not sure what's... I don't think there's an emergency situation on the hands with her, though. She was coming off two wins before that. So the girl's all good. Uh, you know, no issues there. For Dern, it's it's tough. I give her Tisha Torres, you know. she uh, Tisha came off a... Uh, a win the same night. Um, that's an option. Tisha's ranked one above her. Interestingly enough, uh, uh, two above her is Amanda Rebus, and Dern has a loss to her. So I imagine Dern would want to get that back. But does Rebus want to revisit something she already conquered? Who's ranked behind her? You know, it's it's a tough spot it, it, as far as what happens next for Dern. It's it's unclear. But her striking did look better, and if she continues to make improvement. Uh, improvements in her striking uh, she's she's gonna be dangerous she's gonna be dangerous she's got a big following too um comes from a legendary uh, family lineage in jiu-jitsu world champion in jiu-jitsu so if her striking continues to improve she's only gonna climb the ladder and uh yeah it's it's potentially a really bright future for her so go Mackenzie. all right the fight that i was potentially most excited about was the co- event tony ferguson versus charles Oliveira. this is the fight i was most curious about the questions of how would ferguson bounce back from his loss to gaichi before that loss he was on a massive run i, I forget the amount of wins but it was, i think it was the biggest win streak or one of the biggest win streaks in the division or ufc in general um impressive run so at one point he was even holding the interim title during that run so many wondered if his loss to Gaethje had anything to do with him making weight. Because if you recall before the Gaethje fight, a fight for him fell through. And he said, you know what, I'm going to make weight anyways. Kind of just being a soldier about it. And that's cool. Everyone said, you know, he's badass. But is it smart? Cutting a lot of weight and then having to cut it again a week or two later to fight Gaethje. Um, you know, it's a scary situation. It takes a toll on the body, on your gas tank, on your strength when you're cutting this extreme amount of weight and then back to back. So I think many people wondered if his loss to Gagey had anything to do with that, you know, repetitive weight cutting, repeat weight cutting. Um, and so that was a huge question mark. Uh, I think a lot of eyes were, you know, definitely on Ferguson. He looked so dominant and for him to fall from grace with Gagey, everyone was like very curious. Uh, Oliveira himself was coming in to this fight on a seven fight win streak, similar to what Ferguson had been doing before the Gagey loss. Um, you know, and if Charles was going to get past Ferguson, he'd be set up at the top of the division with massive names. Poirier, uh, Connor. Uh, you got Chandler sneaking in here. I don't even, I don't think he's in the rankings yet, but he's being put in the top contention for sure. Um, as we saw, he was a backup to Khabib Gaethje on Fight Island, making weight in case one fell out. So Dana obviously has, you know, things he's got. He's, he's putting a lot of stock in, in Chandler. So he's up there anyways. Oliveira is going to be put at the top with a ton of big names. So there's a lot of a lot at stake for both fighters. So round one started with some back and forth striking before Oliveira got a body lock and slammed Ferguson on his back. He worked his way to full mount. And in the last 10 seconds, he locked in an extremely deep arm bar on Ferguson. Just jumped into it, too. You almost didn't see it coming. I Being someone who does jiu-jitsu, I saw that option was there. But he jumped into it so quick. Um, you know, I don't know. And, and Tony's obviously elite in jiu-jitsu, too. It, it was impressive. 
and I I, I kind of saw it coming, but he locked into it quick, and it was awesome. And and he had Ferguson's arm bent so backwards. I'm telling you, not I'm telling you, any other uh, fighter would have tapped to it. And and nine out of ten black, ten out of ten black belts. Who knows? Nine out of ten black belts will be safe. Would have tapped to that. But Tony's some kind of animal, right? We we know this. Um, so the round ends because this is 10 seconds left when he locks this in and Tony just sits there, rides the clock time run out. But, uh, Rogan was curious in between the rounds if his arm was broken. We, so at this point you don't know it's Tony. He's not going to quit. Um, round two, it definitely seemed that Ferguson was babying the arm again. The round ended with Oliveira on top. It's two Oh, Oliveira heading into round three, uh, two minutes into round three. Again, Oliveira is on top. This fight was total domination. It wasn't close. Uh, Oliveira took the W here with ease. All right. For Ferguson, he's now lost two in a row. I think he's about to be 37 years old or 38 years old in February, something like that. Soon. Uh, Time is not on his side. He's lost two in a row. This is where I want to ask you guys, what is next for Tony Ferguson? If you're Tony Ferguson's in his camp... What is the move? You're you're on a two fight losing streak after seeming to be dominant. Um so in the comments below, let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on any social media. I love talking MMA, as you can tell. Um I just I've been trying to think as you can see that I'm as I start to get more and more into this, that I do usually have an idea of where to go. But this one is tough. Do you throw him Dan Hooker? Do you throw him Paul Felder. Do you okay? Now here's another question: Does he take time off? And I think the answer to that is yes. However, how 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 much time? Because again, he's going to be 37 or 38 years old. So, what seems to be, you know, a potential slip in 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 his abilities, you pair that with taking too much time off and only getting older, and it might not be the best best recipe for him. So I'm I'm really at a loss on on Ferguson here. So I want to hear your opinions. Let me know. Uh, for Charles Oliveira, um, he he jumped up in the rankings. Okay, so, I mean, who do you give him? Do you give him Hooker? Do you give him Gaethje? Uh, because he's clearly at the top now, but you also have um, Connor and Poirier fighting in January 28th or something like that. Um, and, of course, Oliveira wants the winner of that fight, but so does everyone. Do you give him Chandler? There's there's many ways for him to go, but what we do know is this: it will be something at the top of the division. You know, he's it's what's in an eight fight win streak right now. Um, you know, something extremely impressive, and he, and he looks dominant right now. And this is a fighter who's shown growth over a long period of time. And you, when you first joined the UFC, you thought he's going to be good. Is he going to be elite? Elite? Well, we know the answer now, and it also just. Uh, goes to show you you can't think you know a fighter's potential um you know especially when they're young because a lot of people want to just put a, a label a tie, uh, a tag on someone and say this is what they are and this is what they'll always be and Oliveira is an example of fuck that uh, you go to the gym show up every day probably four times three times two times whatever um and just work your ass off and look at what is it you know years later and now he's he's in the running for a title so awesome all right your main event 
Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. All right, Figueredo has is, is, had a dominant 2020. Uh, he's the champion. He's coming in on a five-fight win streak. He's just looked dominant this entire year. Starting to look like he's, he's separating himself from the pack as the champion. Uh, Brandon Moreno uh, came in on a three-fight win streak, but even before that was just a tie, and then follow, before that was another win. So, again, extremely good run. He's looked great, and he shows up to brawl. Both of these fighters had fought a matter of weeks ago on the same card, so that's actually how this fight came to play. So both emerged as winners three weeks ago on a card, and it just set this fight up perfectly. Uh, Figueredo came in as a massive favorite, and uh, I th- that was fine for me. I've heard other people, a few people said they had Moreno, but I think overall, Figueredo was the favorite coming in. All right. Round one was extremely high pace. These guys were lightning fast, as you be, do expect from this division, and ready to brawl. It didn't look like Figueredo had any respect for Moreno. Uh, just taking his shots, and Figueredo's shots were way heavier. I got to say that, too. He just had more strength and power in his punches. Um, but uh, both were landing in the first round. Very exciting fight. For me, I'm saying 10-9 Figueredo after one. Round two started off right where the first left off, high pace and intense. Both fighters had their moments, and you started to wonder, you know, who's going to fade first? Because it's, it, was, it seemed to me like whoever was, was going to be the first to fade would be the one to let the fight slip away. Um, com- could come down to cardio the way it was so neck to neck with uh, with the striking. When you have the more powerful puncher, you sometimes wonder if they'll fade faster. So that was the question mark. Obviously, Figueredo's looking great, uh, hitting harder. Is he going to gas out? And and will Moreno, with his you know lighter punches, but maybe bigger gas tank, start to slip away in the later rounds? That was kind of the question for me. All right. Um, round three, there was a groin kick, and a point was removed from Figueredo, which is huge, but especially in a fight like this, which is so close. Um, and uh, round four was chaos. Uh, both fighters had their moments. I gave it to uh, Moreno, especially with the takedowns in round four. Moreno could be going up into round four. He could be up in general on the scorecards uh, with with the groin kick in three, the takedowns in four, and however you want to look at two. You know, it's uh, it's you know we don't know. Round five, you just don't know what it is. It's very close. But going into it, he seemed like he had a, uh, was a bit more fresh from how it looked at the end of round one. So it looked like Moreno was going into five with the gas tank advantage. Then um, it appears that Moreno's left arm, you know, I, I didn't see the kick in real time. I think Rogan brought it up. Hey, there's there's a lot of swelling, huge lump on uh, Moreno's arm. And it could be broken. Because as I said, coming into that round, looking like the fresher fighter and then did not be throwing uh, punches, that would make sense. We're starting to wonder, is his arm broken? Uh, I think it was blocking a kick that we learned later uh, in a replay. But at the moment, I didn't know quite what had uh, what had done it. His output was damaged uh, from whatever was going on with that. Uh, the fu- but the fight was incredible. And, and listen, this is one of the greatest fights in flyweight history. As I said uh, earlier, the uh, if it's not one, it's top two, top three. And this fight ended in a draw, which I think is usually pretty frustrating for a fan base. But I'm not sure if as many people are frustrated with this draw. I'm talking since 
the fight, I've talked to people who said either one. I've talked to people that said Figueredo won, Moreno won. So when you do get a draw, this is one of those times where it's like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. Um, that's just me, my personal opinion. And I believe that is the fourth draw in UFC title history. So this is extremely – a draw is rare in general. But in a, a title fight, unbelievable. You got to run it back, in my opinion. You just you have to. Um, so when it comes to what I think is next for each uh, fighter, it is this fight again. Now, Moreno has a compromised left arm. I think he said after the broadcast or on the broadcast after the fight um, that he had an issue with his left shoulder. And so while we're thinking during the fight he has an issue with the left forearm, it's clear that top to bottom he has a compromised left arm. So we need to see what happens there. If, if he ends up with shoulder surgery, that's going to put him out for a while, and Figueredo's, I doubt he's going to wait. I, does he need to take some time off? Yes. He just fought back-to-back. Um, and I think he's starting to see that he hasn't quite ran far away from the pack as he thought he did. Um, he's not going to just be able to walk in and dominate everyone. We do know that now. And um, I think he knows he's going to have to be in the cage with Moreno again. But... Bottom line is you got you're gonna see this fight again. I think it is super necessary. All right, well it was a great card. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I hope you enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, FYI, I do plan on doing these uh, pre-fight too. It is just a coincidence that at this point in time I've only done about uh, two of these, and both have been post-fight analysis. But I do plan on doing pre-fight. Honestly. It, when I was considering doing it for this, there was a bunch of COVID cases happening. Fights were dropping out. So I said, you know, forget it. Uh, we'll just work on it afterwards. Um, anyways, thanks for watching. Uh, again, maybe shoot the video a like. Subscribe to the channel. Let me know what you think is next for Tony Ferguson. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. All right, guys. Peace.